Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. Happy Monday to you. This is Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I've got a little bit of everything for you today. Yes, it is the day before the trade deadline, so trade talk is certainly going to be something that's going to be a big part of the show. Uh, But actually, last maybe 24, 36 hours or so, it's got a little quiet. (laughs) We We had a flurry of trades last week. At times, it actually felt closer to a blizzard, but uh, last day or two, it's uh, it's slowed down a little bit, but there are, uh, you know, certainly no shortage of rumors and shortage of reporting on trades uh, that could possibly uh, occur in the next 24 hours, uh, so we'll certainly take a look at that. A number of DL moves, uh, players going on, coming off to look at uh, uh, as well. Uh, as you get your uh, lineup set for the uh, for the week ahead, and uh, also kind of an odd thing, uh, given that this is the day before the trade deadline, maybe not odd, but it's just you know I expected to get on the air here and just talk a lot about trades, but actually there's a, a number of moves involving prospects that uh, have been uh, it's actually been more prominent in the news Monday morning than any actual trades that are happening. So we'll take a look at those. The usual stuff uh, in terms of looking at uh, the previous day's performances and something definitely a little different. I'm going to have Paul Sporer on the show. I'm sure you know Paul from uh, from Rotographs and uh, many other places, Sleeper in the Bus podcast. Uh, but Paul's going to come out. He just recently wrote a piece about the 2019 fantasy baseball drafts and who he sees as early rounders. So we're going to do a way, 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 way too early look at 2019. Uh, But, you know, it's not really just about 2019, at least from my perspective. A lot of the players that Paul and I are going to talk about uh, are players that, uh, you know, may affect how you deal with them the rest of this season uh, based on on what Paul forecasts for next year. So a lot of stuff to get to. And and where I want to go here uh, before we get into – uh, a lot of uh, other uh, reporting and, and you know information uh, that I've got for you on the show here. Just right before coming on air, I uh, was looking at Twitter, of course, looking to see if there were any trades. Nothing. Nothing uh, happening there. But Joel Sherman of the New York Post just posted a thread with basically his observations of what he's seen and heard from the last few hours. So there's some really interesting stuff here. So I'm just going to just narrate from Twitter. I mean, I thought that would be really boring. Uh, (laughs) But make it a little less boring by just kind of skipping to to the highlights here of this uh, thread from Joel Sherman. So first off, lots of teams still asking about Archer. Uh, his biggest surprise was hearing that the Pirates have inquired. Yeah, that's a new one. Uh, I had not seen that. Padres have been in the the news the last day or two in terms of being perhaps at the head of the line uh, among suitors trying to uh, trade for Chris Archer. So we got the Pirates, we got the Padres, and then uh, other teams that Joel Sherman lists here, the Braves, and then he says the Brewers, Athletics, and Yankees also have touched base. So that's a lot of teams potentially in on Chris Archer. But uh, the Pirates one I thought was interesting. Also, he says uh, Red's not getting much traction on Matt Harvey. Uh, This one I thought was very interesting. Nationals know they're underachieving and may have culture issues, but they don't want to blow it up, not with inexperienced Braves, Phillies ahead of them. So, yeah, I, I I think it would be certainly very interesting for the Nationals to become sellers. 
but there's just something about it, I think just maybe because of expectations, maybe because of the issue that the Braves and Phillies are surprise leaders in the NL East and that they are inexperienced. And I think the Phillies in particular have some some holes that, that make them vulnerable uh, during this pennant race. So apparently the Nationals not inclined to sell. And uh, another thing here, Yankees have stayed in touch on starting pitchers. But if they do something, it's much more likely to be for uh, outfield, outfield help, uh, particularly with Aaron Judge uh, being out for a few weeks. And then finally, uh, the teams most likely to be aggressive slash creative over the next 24-ish hours, Athletics, Rays, Brewers, Phillies, Braves. So good stuff there from Joel Sherman. Uh, certainly uh, keep us engaged while we're waiting for actual trades to happen. Uh, there were a couple over the weekend, so we'll get to those. But I want to start with uh, a few DL items that are certainly going to be of interest to, to you uh, as you get your lineup set. No Jose Altuve this week. He was placed on the DL on Saturday with right knee discomfort. Uh, on Sunday, the Astros actually put um, Yuli Gurriel at second base. They've always had a lot of uh, flexibility and players uh, with versatility so they can mix and match. But that was certainly a move I didn't anticipate, and I'll talk more about that later on. So Altuve on the DL. Noah Syndergaard, uh, not officially listed as uh, the Mets starter this one day, Wednesday, but expected to start. Uh, Wednesday against the Nationals, according to MLB.com. So for whatever it's worth, I decided to start Syndergaard this week. I do recognize maybe there's some slight chance that that gets changed, but uh, I I would not want to miss out on a Noah Syndergaard start if it happens, and it looks like it's going to happen. So uh, barring, again, some unforeseen event, there'll be no Syndergaard against the Nationals on Wednesday. Todd Frazier started a rehab assignment over the weekend, and he should be back, I would think, within the next couple of days. Now, I did keep Frazier bench this week just because it's not, you know, obviously not the same kind of situation as Syndergaard where, you know, you're missing a potential ace with Frazier again. I I, I plugged in. Uh, in fact, specifically, I plugged in Danny Valencia, who's certainly not a high-end alternative. This is also a deep, very deep league in which I did this. But uh, Frazier, I suppose, uh, depending on what your options are, you may want to start him this week. I don't think it's really worth the risk. Lourdes Gurriel probably want to sit him this week if you can, despite the fact that on Sunday he went three for five and registered his 11th consecutive multi-hit game. That's the longest multiple-hit game streak since 1973. Tony Perez, the last player to do that, 11 straight uh, multiple-hit games. Uh, but in the ninth inning, uh, Guriel had to leave after uh, an awkward slide. He uh, needed some help getting off the field. And he has been diagnosed with a left knee contusion and a sprained left ankle. He did have x-rays that came up negative. But he's going to have MRIs done on both the knee and the ankle sometime on Monday. Uh, that's today if you're listening live. So, uh, So there's that. Uh, Johnny Cueto probably going to be placed back on the disabled list, according to NBC Sports Bay Area. Uh, he reported having uh, experienced pain in his elbow in his last start, a start that did not go well, a start that featured uh, decreased velocity for Cueto. So a very uh, compelling reason why uh, he had that, that decreased velocity. So starting to look uh, like a lost season for Johnny Cueto, but expected to go back on the DL. Don't know how long he's going to be out, and I've not even seen any diagnosis for him beside the fact that he just has pain in his elbow. All right, big trade from over the weekend, uh, which, again, was relatively quiet compared to most of last week. But Mike Moustakis going from the Royals to the Brewers uh, in exchange for Brett Phillips and Jorge Lopez. So a couple of kind of sort of established players. I've had you know, a little bit of time in the major leagues uh, going to Kansas City. And in uh, as was expected in his first game with the uh, with the Brewers, uh, Moustakis, of course, at third base. That moved Travis Shaw over to second base. So it looks like it's just a matter of time before Travis Shaw 
gets himself some second base eligibility. And I was sort of surprised that when I looked at where Shaw would uh, where Shaw would place, you know, given his current production among second basemen, it's not a really big boost in value for him. So I was a bit, bit surprised by that. Uh, but uh, you know, in any event, it is it is a little bit of a boost. And uh, it's just an interesting development. And it gives them more flexibility, so there's certainly something to be said for that. Uh, according to Ken Rosenthal, he says that uh, rival executives are telling him that the Blue Jays are trying to trade Roberto Ozuna. So uh, that's definitely an important development for many owners, particularly those that are currently stashing Ozuna and been waiting and waiting uh, as he's uh, expected to uh, be done with his, uh, well, he will be done with his uh, suspension for domestic violence on August 5th and expected to just go straight into the closer's role. Um, that may not happen. Blue Jays are trying to trade him. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, lately, it's been Ryan Tapera who's been getting the bulk of the save opportunities. Uh, he has struggled his last couple of times out. But, uh, you know, he's in that mix, and I would think uh, Tyler Clippard in that mix if he doesn't get traded. And also, I don't know if I don't think I've talked about this on the show before, but Jaime Garcia has been moved into the later innings. I mean, he has not been in the bullpen for a long time, but the last couple weeks or so, Garcia's been uh, pitching seventh and eighth inning. And uh, that that's, uh, you know, maybe there's an outside chance that he could get some saves going forward. Uh, Brad Brock, as expected, was traded. He was traded on Sunday uh, from the Orioles to the uh, Atlanta Braves for international slot money. So that's the second deal involving relievers in the last few days that the Braves have made for international slot money. Uh, so Brock probably going right into a late inning role. I would doubt the closers role. Uh, as for the Orioles, I think for right now, you're probably looking at Michael Givens. But of course, he's been noted in trade rumors as well. Uh, so uh, we'll just have to see how those uh, situations develop, particularly the one in Baltimore. I think in Atlanta, there's not really much to be had there other than uh, you can probably count on Brad Brock to get uh, get some holds. Uh, for the Rays, uh, not only have they been in discussions about potentially trading Chris Archer, we talked about that just a little bit earlier, but also according to Tampa Bay Times' Mark Topkin, Wilson Ramos, Sergio Romo, and Adeni Echevarria, among others, has been named as uh, a potential uh, uh, chip to be traded, player to be traded. Uh, yes, I did put that awkwardly, didn't I? John Heyman is saying that uh, the market for Zach Wheeler is opening up, that the Phillies, Braves, Brewers, and Yankees have shown interest, the most interest among teams uh, that are uh, looking to trade for Zach Wheeler. Uh, let's get back to some other uh, injury and lineup type news here. Michael Conforto was not in the Mets starting lineup on Sunday due to a sore left thumb. Uh, it's an injury that he first sustained uh, about a week and a half ago. And uh, he got jammed, the thumb got jammed uh, apparently two times on Saturday. Uh, however, he did pinch hit in Sunday's game. So I look at like a borderline case here. But I'd say outside of shower leagues, it looks like uh, you could probably start Michael Conforto. I'd say same deal with Anthony Rendon. He was moved from the paternity leave to the family a medical uh, family medical emergency leave list. So he was expected to be back on Sunday, but his time away from the team has been extended. Rafael Devers is back on the DL with a hamstring injury. However, according to the Boston Globe, uh, there's good chance that it could just be a minimum 10-day stay on the DL for Devers. Marco Estrada is expected to be activated to start for the Blue Jays uh, Monday night against Oakland. Matt Holiday signed a minor league deal over the weekend with the Rockies. That's pretty interesting. Uh, I have not seen any sort of projection or timetable in terms of when he might be ready to play uh, at the major league level, that is. And uh, Colby Allard is going to be called up and start for the Braves on Tuesday against the Marlins. Uh, this reported by Dave O'Brien of The Athletic. And it uh, looks like it's just going to be a spot start 
for Allard uh, as the Braves try to give everybody a little bit of extra rest, and, and in particular, Sean Newcomb, who had that near no-hitter on Sunday and threw more than 130 pitches while doing it. So uh, Allard coming up to make at least one start for the Braves. And again, that's going to be on Tuesday. Victor Robles is back with the AAA uh, uh, affiliate for the Nationals at Syracuse. Came back on Friday, had a three-hit game right off the bat, and um, uh, did not get a hit either Saturday or Sunday. So three for 12 overall. Uh, did get a home run and a double, though, in that Friday game. So the good sign there from uh, from Victor Robles. And in some other prospect news, the Angels have promoted, or, or either, or on, I guess, on the verge of promoting, uh, Joe Adele from Advanced Class A to Double A. This will be Adele's third level this year. Just 19 years old, uh, drafted a year ago, and uh, he was the, the Angels' first-round pick. And uh, he is now the number 11 overall prospect on the Baseball America Top 100. And so this initially reported by uh, Ben Badler of uh, Baseball America. So Joe Adele climbing the ladder uh, at age 19 all the way up to double uh, to A. So uh, really, really cool thing to see there. So uh, that pretty much gets us wrapped up and caught up with uh, all the news, unless there were trades while I was talking there. I'll check on that over the break. But uh, when we come back, uh, barring any big development, uh, we're going to talk with Paul Spore. Well, we're going to talk with Paul no matter what. But the plan is to talk to Paul. Not First of all, uh, just how his fantasy season is going because it's the first time I've had Paul on this year. And um, to, to talk about a piece that he wrote for uh, Rotographs recently about who he sees as the early rounders for, yes, 2019. So uh, we will be looking at that with Paul Spore in just a couple of minutes. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melgier. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, up in just a moment with us, Paul Spore. Can't wait to talk to Paul. Uh, but I'm going to wait just one moment here because you got to know that when you want to win your fantasy football league, you simply must just go to the very best source of information you can find. And, of course, that's rotoexperts.com senior writer Jake Seeley. It's an undisputable fact. No other fantasy football analyst in the industry is a better player ranker and accuracy expert than the all-in kid. In 2017, Jake Seeley was the number one draft accuracy ranker in the entire industry, as verified by FantasyPros.com, and he's been a consistent top three ranker throughout his distinguished career. So if you want to be the best, you got to go with the best. Get Jake Seeley's 2018 fantasy football rankings right now in the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package. Enter the promo code WINNER at checkout for a special discount. So with no further delay, no further ado, uh, joining us from Rotographs, uh, he's all over Twitch, he's all over Twitter, uh, Paul Spore, so glad that you're taking time from your really busy schedule to uh, talk some fantasy baseball. Al, thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, just, you know, sitting, waiting for the for the blizzard of trades to come down. Hopefully, right? Because, I mean, we did... 
we've had kind of an active deadline so far. So tomorrow could be a bit of a whimper. I'm preparing myself for that. I really hope it's not. I can concoct uh, a host of trades that we could still see and that I'm wishing for. But if it was a total, uh, a total dud, just a few things came across the wire, it wouldn't surprise me just because of the action we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do fear that. And it's, you know, as a fantasy owner, I mean, I probably shouldn't care one way or the other, but it, you know, it's fun when you're, you're sitting there and you know, you're watching all those trades come down the last couple of hours and you're right. It might, it might be sort of a dud. And I just saw something really interesting, Paul. Um, and unfortunately I can't remember who it was. Um, I don't know who to attribute this to, but somebody was saying that uh, one of the uh, executives from one of the clubs was saying that they're basically just going to go for whichever reliever is the most affordable because, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's sort of a crapshoot. You've got so many guys on the market. You're talking about a small sample of, you know, 15 to 20 innings, <laughs> you know, so to invest a lot in somebody and you don't, you know, you might get, you know, a stretch of 10 bad innings from somebody who's been otherwise really good. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Absolutely. And listen, as a Tigers diehard, I know, they're not in contention this year, but I find a way to bring them up anytime. But when they were good, the bullpen was always the issue, and they'd go out and get a guy. And I remember uh, Joaquin Story even being one of those, and he had been pitching perfectly well. But then when you get a guy for a two-month sample, if he has four or five bad outings, it looks like he was terrible for you. And so, you know, keep that, keep those expectations in check, especially when you're getting a reliever because it's going to be a small sample. It is prone to volatility, and it can look like a like a waste. Now, notice we've seen a lot of the teams that are kind of already set for the playoffs or, or, or darn well near it. Obviously, things could still happen. They're playing for October. So, for example, if Zach Britton is bumpy with the Yankees, but he's still kind of getting everything back on track, although his sinkers look great lately, so that might be a bad example. But, but a guy like that on a team that's kind of already firmly in, if they look a little bumpy in August and maybe even early September, as long as they're gearing up by mid-September, ready for the playoff push, those teams are going to be perfectly happy with it. For example, if, say, Familia fell on his face with Oakland, and so far that doesn't look, look to be the case, he looks fantastic, that would be one of those that would be crushing because that's kind of their big move, and they absolutely need him to perform. So, But it's just always that volatility with relievers, and it's a flush market, Al. Yeah, no, it is. It's you know crazy. I mean, pretty much any team that's not in it, it seems like they've got at least two, three, maybe four relievers that have been rumored to be on the market. Uh, so I don't see how all of them can move. I'm not sure where there's uh, there's room for all of them. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, a lot of them are likely to move. So, are there any closers in waiting in particular that uh, maybe over the weekend that uh, you've made some bids on or, or that you really like a lot for the rest of the season? I was looking over at uh, at the Michael Givens, uh, Miguel Castro situation in Baltimore. Now, the problem is, uh, especially with Brad Brock being dealt, the problem is is that these teams that you mentioned, they're the bottom-feeding teams, and we are in a league of haves and not. So when you're clearing the path, even to be the full-time closer, how many saves are you necessarily going to get? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't still go for them because closer is a closer, and if they've got the job and they have good skills, you want to get them. But again, it's about managing expectations. And even if you do happen to land on the Baltimore situation, Givens was the favorite for me. I don't know if news has come out where they're going to go with it, but I like Givens because Castro just, he's got the nasty stuff when you watch him, but he has a one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio. So I don't think that that's going to work. I like Givens uh, in the back end of that bullpen, but how many wins are the Orioles really going to get? I don't know. Um, The only other thing that I have a little bit, kind of planned for and not really because I don't know that they're going to move him but I've got an Amir Garrett share uh, in, in a holds saves league so I've got the holds covering me but just in case Rysel Iglesias gets dealt I could see Garrett uh, emerging into that into that closer role. So you think over Hughes who's been the guy that's uh, pitched the ninth when when Iglesias is unavailable? Yeah. That's the tough part. See, I, I, I'm taking the old uh, baseball HQ route of, of go yep. for skills over over role. I acknowledge what Hughes has done, and he's not he's not unskilled. I just think that Garrett has kind of the lockdown skills. And what I also look for if I'm going to bet on a lefty is that they have another lefty because one of the big biases mm. of why lefties don't close is because they're usually the only guy. 
And so when you're facing the Freddie Freemans or, or you know, whoever the big lefty is in, in a particular lineup, and they come up in a key at bat in the sixth or uh, sixth, seventh or eighth inning, you need the lefty to be there. But if you have two or three, then the best skilled guy, in this case, Garrett, in my opinion, can be the closer and say a Wandy Peralta or uh, I think they have Kyle Crockett. You know, one of the lesser mm-hmm. lefties can kind of handle those at-bats in the middle innings. But again, I don't personally believe that Glacier is going to be traded, so that's a small bet there on Garrett. Yeah, well, the skills are there, and if it's a league uh, where – uh, you get rewarded for things besides saves. So that's, I think that's a fantastic play. So talking with Paul Spore here from Rotographs, uh, we've been talking uh, about uh, mostly so far about relievers and, and closers and waiting. Uh, but before we look ahead to 2019, because you've written about that really recently, Paul, just want to take a you know, moment to be retrospective and you know, a little contemplative about this season. Uh, first of all, how are you feeling about your teams so far in 2018? It's a mixed bag, obviously. I play a lot of leagues, and so some are going well. Some aren't going so well. The main event has really gone off the rails. Injuries have been a bit of a nightmare there, which is generally the the excuse people give, and it's it's a valid excuse. But at the same time, uh, the competing teams also deal with injuries. So it's an excuse only to a certain degree. You can say, hey, this is what happened, but also didn't hit on the right guys in the late, late in the rounds and on the waiver wire to make up for it because, again, First place teams get injuries too, and they deal. Um, so yeah, that I've had some issues there, but I am in contention in a few leagues. Made some big moves in some NL in an NL only league, including to open up some cap to get Eduardo Escobar. Made some trades there. By the way, trades at this point, you can't worry about the na- the name value or how the draft value of the trade looks. For example, I traded uh, Ross Stripling, Tyler Anderson for Kenley Jansen and Adam Adovino. That's that save holds league there. And it's like, maybe you wouldn't deal two quality starters, especially the way the pitching landscape is right now for two closers or, or a closer and a holds guy. But on first in quality starts, first in K's, third to last in save holds. So that trade makes a ton of sense to me. That's why I don't like grading trades this time of year without context. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think it's completely useless unless you know the context. So I've got a couple teams tending. I'm really pushing to make the playoffs in my only head-to-head league this year. Head-to-head leagues are a lot harder than I, I think I gave them credit for. I didn't use, <laughs> used to play too many. And uh, it was one of those things where I just – I was like, oh, head-to-head's for football. I, I was kind of a, a jerk about it. And then I came around, and it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, I'm not good at it yet, though. I've really, I've really struggled to stay afloat in this league, and it's been a big challenge. So I'm fighting to make the playoffs there. And I'm fighting to bring home this NL only title. And if I can do both of those, then uh, then the season will be will be just fine. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Now, I've, I've, for whatever reason, uh, it's been a much better year for me in my head to head leagues than than in roto. Uh, it's uh, you know, probably just one of those those odd things. But yeah, I mean, it's you know what you're describing with head to head. I don't know if it's points or cats, but. Uh, I've had a, I've been sort of a relative late comer. Okay, I've been a relative late comer to categories leagues, head to head, and uh, you know, so I find that I, I really struggle in those formats. So I, I totally get what you're you're saying with that, um, you know. And I, I did not expect this to be a year where uh, coming in I was going to be uh, a big defender of like Wade LeBlanc and Blaine Hardy, but you know, here I am. I've spent a lot of time on this show talking about both of them and writing about both of them. Is there anybody that stands out that? Uh, you know, you've wound up really uh, maybe getting attached to, or it's just been a, a, a great discovery? Well, like I mentioned, the, the the pitching landscape has been a bit of a nightmare. And I was a little early uh, to the Ross Stripling party thinking that there could be something more there, liking what he was doing. And in fact, our colleague, Jeff Sullivan at Fangraphs wrote a great piece. Uh, basically at the time I was kind of putting together a similar piece on Rotographs and instead I was like, you know what, just go read Jeff's piece. But I've been really enjoying what he's been doing uh, Ross Stripling has been doing in the Dodgers rotation there. It's been hard to find, uh, uh, you know, an oasis in, in this wasteland that is the SP pool right now. And so when you're talking about LeBlancs and Hardys of the world and people might be laughing, it's like you, you need something that you can actually latch on to. I find rookie pitchers have been especially damaging this year because they'll have a couple good starts and then their their comeback won't just be a – you know, five inning, four run, or, you know, six inning, four run sort of mediocre. It's a one inning, eight run nightmare that completely erases all the good work. So that's been really difficult and very annoying to deal with. But I've found some solace 
believe it or not, in Colorado starters. I mentioned Tyler Anderson, mm-hmm. who I dealt in that stripling deal. Kyle Freeland's a guy I've been interested in. Herman Marquez has been more of a road-only guy, but I've been, I've been looking at that inefficiency of people not wanting Colorado starters to get some quality out of that. Uh, and then on the hitting side, just acknowledging that the Reds are good again and, and really diving in on that. Uh, Jeanette was somebody I believed in coming into the year. Suarez, I hadn't. Yeah, Eugenio Suarez, I was a little bit more like, uh, let's see. Now I fully acknowledge, you know, and, and could you not? His season's been great. So I'm not, I didn't split the atom by, just, by saying that uh, Eugenio Suarez is legit. <laughs> but I do believe even this level going forward, I, I think that uh, maybe not at this exact level, but, but as, a, as a premium top three to four round hitter for Eugenio Suarez, uh, I think is in the cards. And, and Jeanette as well. I think they're both quality hitters. With the ball bouncing a little bit more, their power plays up a full grade, I would say, from what it would normally be. And all of a sudden, they are, are chasing mid-20s to mid-30s homers, uh, when normally they might be uh, high-teens, low-20s guys. So a couple reds there, and then Colorado pitching has been a, a little bit of my discoveries this year as far as places I'm finding underrated value. Yeah, well, I, I like a lot of those too, and uh, you know, I guess the the Rockies pitchers being rosterable is you know becoming less and less of a secret. But I'm still surprised how often I, I you know hear people say something like that. So, uh, but right. you know, I mean, I I like Tyler Anderson. He's you know, finally really broken through this year. Well, but yeah, let's take a look ahead here. Um, so you've done a piece recently, actually two pieces on uh, the early rounds in 2019. You did a piece on the top 30 and then another piece where you, you uh, shoehorned in uh, some other players that are, are going to be early rounders. Um, now, Giancarlo Stanton, you, I know it's not an exact ranking that you have, but yeah, Giancarlo Stanton sort of in the middle of your top 30. You had Bryce Harper sort of in the middle. Uh, these are mm-hmm. players that Harper in particular, I would have argued, were first rounders this year. Um, it, is the exclusion of them outside the first round does that have more to do with perception that you just don't have to reach for them that early or is it just your genuine feeling that they don't belong in the first round no no i absolutely think that it it is something of saying listen you you, you shouldn't have to pay that first round pick and in fact because i i a little bit more nfbc slanted these days that's the national fantasy baseball championship for those that don't know uh and they run 15 team leagues I've technically got Harper in the first round at, at 14 and then Stanton right there at 16. I've got three pitchers there at 11 through 13 that I wouldn't, I rank them there because I respect that you can take an ace in the first round. And, and, and again, mentioning the awfulness of pitching this year, it might even be more, uh, who might even be more interested in taking a pitcher next year. So I, I'm open to it and I don't routinely dismiss it. But I think if it was a full-on personal board and saying, like, this is exactly what Paul wants to do, sorry to refer to myself in the third person, that's kind of lame, um, I would put Harper and Stanton ahead of both of the, uh, ahead of the three pitchers. So I would probably have them, like, 11, 12, and then the three pitchers. But it, it, I was balancing between trying to say, here's what you might have to pay versus my actual ranking and and i'm i'm not gonna be pinned down on a uh 2019 ranking in in mid-july i don't think anybody expects that but (laughs) you know i i do i do have those 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 two power hitters very close to those pitchers. basically the bottom line is i'm not afraid to take harper in the first round or second obviously the second round if i'm not afraid in the first he's not a 215 hitter he's just not listen and i understand that some of it's been on him you can't just hand wave it to Babip and act like he hasn't contributed. But Harper's still a first-round talent, without a doubt. All right. Well, on that note, we can absolutely agree. And, Paul, thank you so much for uh, dropping in. Paul Spore from Rotographs. Uh, Paul, great, uh, great to have you on. Best of luck to you. Anytime, Al. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. My pleasure. All right. Stick around, folks. We've got uh, lineups, standouts, and much, much more after the break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm Al Melgier, your host. And thanks again very much to Paul Spore from Rotographs uh, for joining us on that last segment. Definitely do check out his two, two, two pieces on uh, his early 2019 rankings. And again, it's good food for thought just in terms of not only perception versus reality, but also, you know, in terms of somebody like Harper, or we didn't really get to talk, frankly, about a lot of the players uh, that he wrote about, but you know, like Chris Bryant, uh, you know, are these not only, you know, players that maybe could be bargains next year, but are they players maybe you can buy low on this year? Uh, and I understand with players like Aaron Judge and, and uh, you know, Bryant, there's an injury aspect to it. Anyways, just read Paul's pieces. It's fun. It's good. Uh, anyways, we've got uh, a couple of lineups in. We've got some weather forecasts for you to uh, consider as you get your lineups uh, daily and weekly, uh, getting those ready to set. Uh, so lot, lots to get to here. Uh, but before we do, just to remind you that we are giving away more World Series tickets here on FNTSY Sports Radio Network. This time, it's going to be to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause and win 2018 World Series tickets playing free Daily Fantasy Baseball by going to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. That's dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. It's your ticket to the World Series and somebody's ticket to life. All right. Uh, I mentioned we've got lineups, weather, all that kind of stuff. Actually, before we get to all that, I want to handle one question here from Twitter. I was hopeful we get a whole bunch of them uh, because it's a late lineup lock. I don't always get a chance on Mondays to answer lineup questions because the, the first pitch is too early. Uh, but we got a question. So, And actually, I'd hope that Paul could have answered this one with me. Uh, but we just spent too much time, frankly, talking about relievers and his 2019 rankings and such. So... I'm going to do this one solo. This is from at CJ Baskies. Hey, gents, looking to improve my hitting? Would you trade Torres, Moreland, and Gibson for Paxton, Altuve, and Jake Bowers? Uh, I've got Kinsler who can fill in while Altuve's out. Uh, current SPs are Gibson, Rodon, Kluber, and Boyd. So while Paul Spore is no longer on the air with us, I'm going to piggyback onto something really important that he said in the last segment, which is at this point in the season, especially uh, context matters a lot, uh, depending on if you need help in certain categories, if you are weak at a particular position, uh, that matters a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, in the, in the vacuum <laughs> necessarily that matters more than just out and out value, but I'd say proportionately those two things, overall value versus, you know, contextual needs, the contextual needs hold more weight now than they do earlier in the season. I hope that's clear what I'm trying to say there. Anyways, let me answer the question. Would I trade Torres, Moreland, and Kyle Gibson for Paxton, Altuve, and Bowers? You bet I would. Uh, and there's definitely contextual extra credit here. Uh, as uh, CJ mentions his pitchers, and I apologize, CJ. I, I uh, said his. I don't know. Uh, anyways, CJ, whoever you are, uh, your current picture, pitchers, Gibson, Rodon, Kluber, and Boyd. Um. So, yeah, if you're losing Gibson in particular, you really need to beef up your pitching. And uh, Paxton is going to help you immensely. And it's just a, a good trade. I mean, Paxton and Altuve are, are the best players in the deal. So it's helping a need, and it's just better value, I think. So uh, the tough part here is giving up Glaber Torres. I don't even know if this is a keeper or dynasty, dynasty format or not. It doesn't matter. This is a great trade no matter what. So definitely... Make that trade, CJ, if you haven't already, and best of luck to you. Uh, okay, so finally, get, let's get around to some weather and lineups. And, you know, if I stall long enough, there's more lineups since. Now we have a third lineup that's in, and by the time I'm done with the weather, maybe there'll be even more. 
Uh, weather won't take that long, though, because there's not a major threat in any of the games being in the great outdoors this evening. The only one that bears a little bit of watching is Marlins Braves. There's a 35% chance of precipitation uh, at first pitch, and then it goes down very quickly after that. So I think worst case scenario here looks like maybe a slight delay. Uh, So go ahead and get those Marlins and Braves of your choice into your lineup. Now, Marlins and Braves, uh, we do not have a Braves lineup, but we know that it's going to be Wei-Yin Chen and Julio Tehran. And we do have a Marlins lineup, and it's uh, there's no JT Riddle. There is JT Romuto, so if you have to pick one JT, that's that's a good one to have in your lineup. Uh, so no Riddle, and you got Miguel Rojas at short, and another start in center field for Magnuris Sierra. So not too much there. And then we got the Phillies and Red Sox at Fenway Park. So because of the AL Park, Phillies have a DH. It says Dribble Cabrera. I'm still getting used to seeing that name in the Phillies lineup. So Cabrera at DH, that means that Kingery gets to play short. He bats ninth. Cabrera's batting fifth. And because you got the lefty David Price going for the Red Sox, no Nick Williams tonight. Roman Quinn playing in right field and batting eighth. For the Red Sox, we do have Mitch Moreland in the lineup who missed quite a bit of time in the past week or so. He's hitting cleanup uh, and playing first base. So um, uh, he's he's in there and no Steve Pierce, uh, who we've seen quite a bit of lately in the uh, the Red Sox lineup. So otherwise looking like a pretty normal uh, lineup there. As I mentioned earlier in the show, no Rafael Devers. He's on the DL again. So as expected, Eduardo Nunez handling third base and batting seventh. So uh, there you go. Those are the laps we have out so far, just those three. It's kind of a light slate tonight anyhow, but hopefully that helps you get ready uh, to set your your daily lineups. So uh, let's go back to Sunday's very full slate, which uh, was also jam-packed with a lot of really notable performances. And of course, the big one uh, was Sean Newcomb. Very, very close. In fact, one pitch away from a no-hitter. Instead, he winds up with eight and two-thirds innings with just one hit. Uh, it is uh, a base runner that scored, though, so he's charged with a run. Uh, eight strikeouts and a walk for Newcomb, so he just had the walk going into that uh, final, what, what could have been the final out uh, for the Dodgers in that one. And, uh, you know, also, of course, uh, was uh, uh, notable for Sean Newcomb in that, uh, you know, much like with Josh Hader, in the aftermath of the All-Star game, in the aftermath of this performance from Sean Newcomb, uh, there were uh, a couple of people who unearthed uh, a series of tweets that Newcomb sent uh, when he was 18 years old, so several years ago. Uh, and again, similar to the, the tweets uh, that were found on Josh Hader's accounts, uh, some racist tweets, some, some homophobic tweets, uh, some tweets that were both racist and homophobic. And Newcomb uh, made, a, made a statement to the press after the game that the Braves released their own statement. And uh, so that uh, was a was a big part of the news uh, yesterday uh, for the for Sean Newcomb and for the Braves. Uh, there were several pitching performances that really got overshadowed. Uh, Nathan Avaldi, in fact, two two starters that made their first starts for their new teams, and Avaldi, they were both good, but Avaldi's was better than just good against the Twins. Seven scoreless innings, just four hits. No walks, and Evaldi's not been issuing very many walks at all this year, so he was true to form with the Red Sox, as he had been with the Rays. Uh, four hits, no walks, five strikeouts. So really, really nice outing for Evaldi. And then the other uh, pitcher making a debut with a new team, Jay Happ. Uh, similarly good overall results, just one run allowed by Happ over six innings. A little less impressive from a fancy perspective, because he only struck out two batters, but just three hits and a walk for Hap. So if you started him in the start against the Royals, you have no complaints. But Hap has been a little uh, inconsistent of late, both just in terms of run prevention and in terms of strikeouts, been sort of up and down. Uh, as I mentioned in the initial day or so after the trade, I do think that this is an upgrade fantasy-wise for Hap, just because he gets... Uh, gets the run support that the Yankees will provide him. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know that uh, you know he's he's necessarily a must start uh, guy, and I don't know that he was before either. So, not, you know, an upgrade, but maybe not a significant one for Jay Happ. Uh, Luis Castillo's now had a couple of good starts back to back. He hasn't done that too often this year, and this latest one against the Phillies on Sunday was was terrific. Love to see more of this from Luis Castillo. Seven scoreless innings, nine strikeouts, just four hits and a walk. Uh, I'll probably dig into that one a little bit more. Uh, on Tuesday, I've got my weekly two good starts, two bad starts. So I'm thinking for my two good starts since Castillo's had two good ones in a row. I'll probably write about him and then I can uh, maybe analyze that in a little bit more depth. Uh, but again, there's not a whole lot you can tell from two starts. But we'll, I'll see what I can find. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has been rebounding and more for just a couple of starts. He's actually put a really nice month together and ending out on a very high note against the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. Uh, seven innings, two runs, four hits, no walks, and eight Ks. Even strikeouts have been up a bit for, for, for Hendricks. I mean, I'm happy if he's just got a low ERA and whip. But now in the month of July, uh, done with the month, obviously, with it almost being over. Uh, 35 innings, 33 Ks for Hendricks, a 3.34 ERA. Uh, and against the 33 Ks, just five walks. So that's vintage uh, Hendricks and only three home runs. There's the big change. I don't care. I, I like the strikeouts. Uh, I certainly want to, him to be at least a decent strikeout pitcher, but that's the change I wanted to see from Kyle Hendricks. Only three home runs in his last 35 innings because the home runs were a big problem for him over much of the first three months of the season. I did cut him in one league, a 15-teamer, no less. Uh, so uh, I can't say I regret it because it really was a, a numbers crunch with a, a very good pitching staff. So I don't know who else I would necessarily have let go. But uh, clearly, uh, Hendricks uh, was was too early to, to give up on him if uh, if he didn't have better options. So uh, good good news there for Kyle Hendricks. Jose Urania, he's he's had trouble getting wins. Hasn't really been his fault. He's been plenty good in a lot of his starts, but has been inconsistent, but had one of his better starts against the Nationals. Still did walk four batters in six innings, but just allowed one hit. No runs, five Ks for Jose Urania against the Nationals, so pretty impressive there. Zach Wheeler and what could be, in fact, I would say what seems to be likely to be his last start as a Met, an excellent one. Against the Pirates, six scoreless innings, five hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. And probably even more notable was the fact that Anthony Swarzak got the save. So he's now two for two in saves since Jay Reese Familia got traded. Uh, so it looks like he, even though this looked to be a wide open closer situation, Swarzak is certainly, I think, at the very least I could say, is making a strong case to just keep closing games for the Mets. Uh, also in that same uh, same game, a nice start from Joe Musgrove. Only two strikeouts, but one run over seven in innings on five hits and two walks. Carlos Rodon, who's been rumored uh, to maybe be traded. A very good start for him, and he's built some consistency, both in results and in terms of keeping the walks down. And uh, he went uh, uh, against Toronto, seven and two-thirds, two runs on five hits and just one walk with six Ks. Now, in this one, uh, we had a save situation. We had a nice pitcher's duel between Rodon and Ryan Barucki and Jace Fry, as I think largely expected by us in the fantasy community. It was Jace Fry that came out in the ninth inning. He didn't get an out. He started off by uh, giving up a Teoscar Hernandez home run, uh, didn't get either of the next two batters out and gave way to Jenmar Gomez, who really let the, let the floodgates open. So the two main contenders to close games for the White Sox, and this one absolutely blew it. I'm not sure what you do there. I think it is a, a situation where you avoid if possible. And as for Barucki, a nice start for him. I've been pretty consistently skeptical about him. I still I still am. Uh, I think you got to look at the fact that the White Sox, too, it's a, it's a, it's a good matchup. Uh, but he did go six innings, just two runs, six hits, and a walk, 5K. So a nice uh, performance by Ryan Barucki. And a nice performance switching over to hitters for Chris Davis. Maybe the first time all season that I'm including Chris Davis in the standouts, and, and in a good way, actually. 
But uh, before we get to Chris Davis and some of the other standout hitters from Sunday, uh, just a reminder here that if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, then you need to try the props builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid the experts winning 90% of the money. Instead, invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. So no more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. So go on over to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and then choose your matchups using the props builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So back to Chris Davis. Keep you keep you in suspense there. Davis with a two homer game. Numbers 12 and 13, a little bit of a sad, sad trombone noise there that we are two-thirds through the season. And Davis, uh, who's been well below the Mendoza line, I think, all season long. Uh, still just 13 home runs, but a two-homer performance. Kind of out of nowhere. So it's not I can't just say, well, he's been sort of silently, stealthily building up to a big, you know, big game. Now, this is if this is gonna be uh a turnaround for Davis, it's gonna be built on the cornerstone of this of this two homer game. Uh but you know, there it is. And uh also with a pair of homers on Sunday, CJ Crone, he's up to twenty two now. He's got seven homers in his last nine games and he has a twelve game hit streak. Uh actually I'm I'm sorry I'm reading the wrong line here. It was just two homers for CJ Crone. What I should have been saying is Jonathan Scope has seven homers in his last nine games and has a twelve game hit streak. He hit his seventeenth home run of the year on Sunday. So my apologies for Getting ahead of myself there. South Perez with another homer. Back-to-back games for him with homers. Aaron Hicks with a homer and a double. And three hits overall and a walk against the Royals. Yonder Alonso getting hot. Three-hit game for him with a homer and a double. He's got three homers in his last four and is hitting 325 in the month of July. And one last note, Tyler White playing first base with Yuli Gurriel at second. He went three for three with a homer and a walk. So Tyler White, we'll see if he gets some more playing time. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. Best of luck to you this week. And I will be back tomorrow, Tuesdays with Modica. Hope you tune in and hope you have a good one. Take care, everyone.